0: Hi there, it's David from the Real Sports Science Podcast, welcoming you to Episode 9, where we catch up with Matt, who's currently down in Spain, enjoying much warmer weather down there. We talk sports news, and then we dive into the first listener-requested topic, the UCI World Championships of Gravel Cycling. It's a pretty new discipline of sport that held their inaugural World Championships this October. We're going to talk about the physiological demands, is training different, and a bunch of other things. So. Get comfortable, get involved. We'd love to hear from you, and we hope you enjoy it. Good morning, everyone. It's the Real Sports Science Podcast with David and Matt, episode 9. Let's go.
1: Awesome, awesome. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back, everyone.
0: What I an absolute
1: grind that was! Oh, you guys probably don't know this, but on the meetings actually, we've been trying to set up for 22 minutes already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been a nice and long one. I've been
0: one. doing the intro for five times. <laughs> but My, we're I here. I need a new mic. Prognosis: I need a new mic.
1: Yeah, we're here now. We're here now. Um, speaking of, we're here. Where are you? Oh,
0: yeah, we aren't here. Indiana actually. Jones over there. I'm pretty sure yeah. I just heard you not speaking English yeah that is true i you know
1: you gotta speak with the locals um i'm currently in spain <laughs> right now or uh, to be fair it looks like mexico with some of the cactuses and stuff around me yeah um, well,
0: that's what i was saying yeah no you're it's, just it's... talking to your abuela yeah what, yeah m- my, abuela? Um, my abuela
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, just just I had to tell her I had to tell her about the podcast. Obviously she's a long time listener was too excited um to get some yeah. inside scoop. But um yeah, no, I had to tell her that you can't listen, you've got to wait till it comes out. Um gotta wait till Tuesday, grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't can't be skipping it. You can't you're not Yeah. 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 Um But yeah, we got a very, very exciting episode today.
0: Um talking about gravel cycling. Hey,
1: eh? which was Yeah, we're looking bro-
0: forward for that. I think that, that'll be fun. It's something that I Haven't well, I've known about it, but I haven't read into it at all, and so excited to to talk about it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So I thought we'd just kickstart off with a bit, little bit of sports news and updates to update everyone. Luckily, there has been no further Premiership rugby clubs that have gone into administration since our last podcast. So that's good news. Thank goodness. Um, that's very good news. It is good news. Um. Derek Chisora versus Tyson Fury. The man who was never going to fight again is fighting again. Um, so that fight will be coming up. I think sometime in December or maybe sooner. Um, so that Tyson
0: Fury, he is the guy who's coming out of retirement, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again. Um, and then this weekend. Again. Oh, I just realized I, I can't keep. So this weekend, being tomorrow, right, um, right. is the massive UFC fight card. And it's big because TJ Delashaw is overcoming a doping ban to earn a UFC title shot. So he got he was Shoot. he was mental for the bantamweight, which I think is one forty five pounds. He did massive okay. amounts. Um, he was really good, and then he got done for doing EPO.
0: Okay, um, what is EPO for all all the you know sports science listeners out there who aren't caught up with EPO? So EPO, if I
1: remember correctly, is basically blood doping or like using some sort of peptide to Do yeah you know that's right you... so
0: it, w- yeah we have a in our body we have um a hormone called um erythropyotin oh. i'm probably saying that wrong it's been so long since i've said that word <laughs> epo for short and it it's a it basically tells our body to make more red blood cells uh,
1: okay yeah, yeah so
0: like if you if you give blood or if you if you lose a lot of blood, for whatever reason, um, you your EPO spikes mm. to tell your body to make more red blood cells. But if you just take EPO, it's it'll signal your body as well to make more red blood cells. So okay. it, it's blood doping. There's different ways you can blood dope. Same as like some some people will um, take up blood out of their body, which will naturally increase EPO.
1: Good old which tells their body
0: yeah which will make yeah which will tell their body to make more blood so they make more blood get back to the regular amount and then they'll put the blood that they took out earlier back into their blood yeah black into their body so then all of a sudden they get a massive amount of red blood cells and what that it does is it just increases like aerobic capacity
1: yeah there you go wow you hit get it more, with the more oxygen sides.
0: to your muscles is that um.
1: PhD's coming along, eh? Awesome. <laughs> so, by by the time <laughs> this podcast is out, stuff. yeah, yeah, mm. by the time this podcast is out, um, what the the UFC would have already been passed. So good luck to TJ DelaSure on that one. And then the last bit of yeah. sports news: Steven Gerrard gets sacked from Aston Villa early doors. So he he was a a Liverpool legend of a player and an England legend of a player as well. Um, and then took up managing Aston Villa and after he was managing Rangers I think it was and he's now been sacked. So a g- great way to end it off with some bad news, hey? So um yeah, nice. I guess I guess some after sports news <laughs> on a happier note be we'll So go they straight yeah, to the they topic. well
0: they got they got they got hammered by Fulham, right? Yeah. Well, three nothing out I guess in football that's hammering. Yeah, yeah, yeah um that's savage though because all the fans supposedly were like booing him and calling for his dismissal after yeah. that game scary and Fo- then like not long after he got the call that he's been fired yeah and that must be so difficult as a manager or as like a head coach i mean it's
1: it's it's crazy like you know football the managers come and go so quickly Um yeah but yeah i just you know, and
0: such a such a fickle environment. It really is. Fans really are is. fans are the worst. Yeah, oh, I hate fans, <laughs> me I included.
1: Mean, <laughs> I mean, we've got none David, but uh, we still we, I mean, we love all
0: our fans, but um... no, we have one fan and he emailed us and he wanted us to talk about the UCI Gravel World Championships. And what are we doing, Matt? What are we doing today?
1: Oh, we, we're we're taking it by the neck and we're talking about the UCI Gravel Championships.
0: We're grabbing UCI Gravel World Championships by the throat, and we're talking about it. Hell yeah! So, it's very violent.
1: So, yeah, yeah. So, first of all, what is it? So, the Union Cycliste Internationale, UCI, um, and its partner Golazzo are pleased to announce the 2022 calendar of the new mass participation UCI Gravel World Series the Trek UCI Gravel World Series will give participants a chance to qualify for the inaugural UCI Gravel World Championships to be held in the European autumn. This event sadly has already passed as it was on the 8th and 9th of October. However, we would still love to delve into such an interesting topic that was given us to by given us by a listener. Uh, So it originated in the U.S. Midwest some 15 years ago. Uh, Gravel has grown in popularity and is now booming worldwide, popular with riders seeking new challenges as it combines elements of road and mountain biking and takes place mainly on unsealed roads such as gravel, forest tracks, farm roads, cobbles. The concept concept of the new Gravel Series is based on that of the existing and very successful UCI Gran Fondo World Series, where riders can also earn their sport for an annual UCI World Championships, which is what's happened now. And each round of the new UCI Gravel World Series, the fastest 25% of men and women from each age group will qualify for the World Championships which will crown the UCI World Championships for each age group. The only difference with the concept for Gran Fondo is that the professional riders may also take part in the events of in events of the series and qualify for the discipline's UCI World Championships. So, the first part of the series kicked off at my hometown, Philippines, on the 3rd of April with an 85-kilometer event. Then, the 12-event wow, series... Oh,
0: first of all, what a rundown that was. Oh. Easy. Just easy. jump in there. That was that was incredible. Yeah. Um
1: so yeah, I'll tell you what, starting off with a hot one, So in April, third of April it was an eighty five kilometer event in the Philippines. Then the twelve mm. event series will continue with two races, each in the USA, Australia, one event in France, Poland, Sweden, Belgium, Italy, the
0: Netherlands, and then where I am now in Spain. So and the and the world championships were just in Italy. Yeah. Last last week so were you talking about um next year like next season or? no the,
1: the, this season this season that so was the, this these season. are just yeah. um
0: these are just like the world
1: series calendar and then the final championships will be held in italy right which happening on right 8th and 9th of october
0: and so so just to back up quickly it's very similar to road racing in that the bikes look almost identical like the frames are very similar if yeah. not the same the only difference is they ride on slightly wider tires that can go on gravel uh, and grass a bit easier. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm not sure if you've ever so tried I'll... riding a road bike on um gravel or <laughs> no, <it's, laughs>
0: through the forest. It's not fun. Or like you're grass, padding. you hit a bit of a slick. I spilled so quickly on my road bike because yeah. I was going over grass and my back end just Mate. slipped out from underneath me. <laughs> it's not a fun it's experience. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> you realize how fragile yeah. you are
1: but um honestly yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. so they're, they're it's very similar in that regard and they look they look like road riders uh just their tires are a little thicker um, yeah have you have you watched it, it a little bit so i yeah. went because i went on youtube and i just watched like the elite men and the elite women world champion the world championships that just happened yeah and it is a lot of fun to watch so the the sorry, were you gonna? Did, I totally cut you off. Did you have something? No, else no, no. Say? You didn't. You didn't cut
1: me off. You didn't cut me off. No, no. Carry okay. on. No, I'm interested.
0: So, yeah. Well, the 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 22 gravel world championships. the the inaugural world championships happened in the Veneto. I'm probably saying that wrong. The Veneto uh, area or region, sorry, of Italy is like northeast. So Venice is in this in that region. Oh, okay. Um, so it. A guy, um, Belgium guy, Gianna Vermiche, oh. ended up winning with a time of 5 hours, 10 minutes, and 40 seconds. It was a 190-kilometer f- a um, race. 190-kilometer race, I think, for the males. It was with uh, 800 meters of elevation. Bloody um, hell. And again, going over road, gravel, dirt, sand, grass, like all these different types of terrains. For the women, it was a close race. So for the men, Verme, she had um almost a whole minute on on the next on the next rider who is Italian. Uh, Danielle. Uh, <laughs> um and in the women elite, uh, Pauline from France won with an hour, with a time of four hours, nine minutes. Uh Pauline Ferrand Prevot. I probably butchered that as well. I'm sorry, Pauline. Um and that was a really close race. Like they both have times of four hours, nine minutes and six seconds, the first and second place. But but Pauline just got ahead. So really close race. That was kind of a sprint finish, which was fun to watch. Congratulations. Uh, and the Pauline. thing that yeah. The thing that struck me with watching it um briefly is you just never know what's gonna happen. I think yeah. with road riding, at least the terrain, it's 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 more constant, you know. Yeah, there's more manageable, less, isn't there it? There are there are tight turns, but there's less tight turns because it's because it's on a road. So the tightest yeah. turn is like a U-turn on the road. And sometimes they have cobblestones, but that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. happen too too often. But these these riders like they're going from grass to gravel. The commentators talking about how, you know, you know when you're riding on gravel and you're trying to seek out like the the smoothest area to ride. Mm. Like, they have to try to find that, because um, obviously, you know, well, not obviously, but when you're riding on something smooth versus yeah. bumpy, you know, smooth is way easier. Oh, 100%, um, yeah. Takes way less energy. So, they're they're trying to find smooth, but then are they going on grass, which is wet, so they got to be careful of that. Some of the corners that they're taking is, like, you know, like, off of a gravel or off of like a grass path onto this like steep gravel path that goes up to the road with yeah. like all these sharp corners and stuff. Like the maneuvering of a bike even isn't that easy in some places. Um, but so I mean- yeah. And there, and there, and we were just kind of talking briefly earlier about the rules and, and right now there's, there's not too many rules and regulations. Um, that like dominate other cycling disciplines like he was even the commentator was even saying they're on this on this kind of dirt path that was kind of weaving through fields and stuff mm. and as as long as there's no tape you can go off the path like you don't have to stay on the path that's so awesome. he was like yeah so this guy like he might is he going to take like the inside or just cut across you know kind of a shortcut um, but obviously, you don't know whether there's holes or whether the grass is slicker there or what's what's there. So it's just yeah, yeah. it's just very interesting. Like it's kind of like Mario Kart.
1: <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> you
0: just go wherever you know, Man. and it was and who knows what's gonna happen because because the terrain just changes so so fast and so abrupt. You know, someone could slip and then and then that gives somebody else an opportunity to take the lead. Um,
1: and I think I think so. one thing you mentioned there, um, the fact that it's you have to think more cognitively I guess you could say that during the whole race not only is it physical it's extremely mental because you're always looking to gain any advantage and I think we mentioned last time in resisted sprinting podcast we mentioned that any one percent increase is massive in terms of elite performance so if you manage to find a quicker way off the path or (laughs) looser gravel and you've avoided that to get onto more sort of hard stuff you know, a better pathway that could give you the massive edge later in the race, because someone who's struggling going on looser gravel might experience higher physiological demands. And I think that's something we'll we'll jump into sort of right now. So I could ask you quickly, David, so how much does the terrain and conditions of, you know, affect the performance and load on the body? So what are the sort of the physiological demands that a, a gravel cyclist or, you know, would face compared to say a road cyclist?
0: Yeah, um, I think it depends on what, what part of the race it is, but the, even anecdotally, from being a cyclist myself, at the beginning of a ride, uh, yeah. you know, a path that is less smooth or a road with bumps in it doesn't really affect you too much because you're fresh. Um, yeah. But as you get tired, you notice bumps <clears throat> way more. Mm. uh you you know it hurts it's not comfortable you're not able to get into like a really nice um cycling rhythm with your legs um finding like a really nice rhythm of cycling and and that definitely does not only has a like a physiological toll um for fatigue but also i think a mental toll Mm. because it's harder it's harder just to get into a groove to put your head down and and especially on on these like changing terrains it's almost more of like a mental you need to be sharp and you need to be focused and it takes because cycling road cycling is so technical as well of where are you are going to make your pushes where are you are going to try to split from the lead group or where you're trying to you know catch up to the lead group and where you make your your attacks is so technical and i think it takes that because you, the gravel cycling has all those elements as well, but then it takes it just ups the environmental factor, you know what's like what what's coming next? Maybe yeah. I don't make my attack now because we're coming into you know a gravel really bumpy section mm. where I'm not going to waste energy trying to 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 make ground up on everyone, or yeah. or maybe I'm going to push here because I feel more comfortable in the gravel um because maybe i come from like a, a a more downhill mountain biking background who knows
1: yeah and i mean like i i thought i'd have a little look because i i've cycled but i've never cycled properly you know um so i thought i'd have a little delve into the research a little and see what sort of effects um or factors and determinants of performance there are for cycling and i think that's sure. when looking at a new sport you've got to do like a little needs analysis to see um, how one would train and how, what are the actual physiological determinants of the sport? And I found that, you know, the fitness and cadence of the rider, you know, the stuff that affects it is the fitness, the cadence of the rider, bicycle tire pressure, the sizes of the tires, the gear ratios, the slope of the terrain, and that will affect the overall speed of the rider, which is, it's, it's crazy because there's so many different factors and determinants that a rider has to, you know, actually think about. And, Furthermore, a study found that acute exposure to moderate altitude is likely to enhance cycling performance on flat terrain because the benefit of reduced aerodynamic drag outweighs the decrease in maximum aerobic power. In contrast, however, when the course is mountainous, cycling performance will be reduced at moderate altitudes. by Han and Gore 2001. And I think we mentioned 800 meters was the altitude.
0: That was the no, sorry, that was the altitude gain i'm not 100 yeah. sure how high actually uh, okay um, but i mean Veneto something is, is where they are racing
1: yeah something is you know one of those factors can affect performance massively and it just shows that you know what they will have to deal with let alone the actual terrain changes as well um yeah and you know so, so another um you know paper that i looked at was that found that cyclists are known to subjectively distribute their energetic resources across the race to improve their performance which is a strategy referred to as pacing and cyclists adjust their pacing adjust their pace according to their anticipated and accumulated levels of fatigue so across 190 i think you said kilometer race or 180 kilometer race you know they're going to experience yeah. different levels of fatigue different sort of terrain characteristics which will just make the competition structure crazy in a way um you know it it just provides another level to road cycling essentially so as you said it makes it so much more exciting and castro castronova castronova and colleagues explored how cognitive features influence a cyclist's perceived level of exertion and subsequent re- regulation of effort over the course of a race and cyclists are known to subjectively distribute their energy resources as mentioned earlier to improve strategy mm. and you know it it i mean it's just you know now you've got to think cognitively instead of just okay i'm cycling obviously i'm not trying to take anything away from the road cyclist but you know to actually have to okay now i'm tired i'm exhausted my rate of, you know my rpe is hitting a nine hitting a 10 you know i'm getting exhausted and now i'm on to gravel you know now you've got to keep your mental think actually this is the route i want to take because this is a lot more fast and let's um you know exhausting than this part of the route where this other cyclist has gone oh but he's gone there then do you start thinking i need to follow him so, so it, it just provides yeah. such an exciting element uh to the race
0: yeah i i think absolutely like no taking away anything from road cycles because those guys are and girls are absolute yeah beasts. yeah and the out like the power outputs that they can generate on bikes for hundreds of kilometers, you know, over the Tour de France over days and weeks is insane. Mm. Like I'm, I'm hoping eventually to do this climb uh, in France called Mount Ventoux, and Ooh. it's a, it's Ventu. It's a <laughs> um kind of an infamous leg of the Tour de France, and it's 22 kilometers up this mountain. And the average grade is something silly, like 10 to 10%. And it goes up to like 19% at one point or Jesus. something silly steep. Um, so hey, it's I'll 22 tell you what. And I yeah. would do that. I would do that just like that's it. 22K ride finished, right? That's only one part of like a 200 kilometer day for those guys. Like, mad so crazy respect but but it is it does just add a little bit something different doesn't it because on the road you're not worried about i mean you have to look out for slick sections but it's more constant um and and there's nothing constant i think about gravel cycling because it's everywhere
1: i mean like that's a thing and Another element you've got to look at is how would one train for this with for an event such yeah. that has such varied terrain. um So, like, how how would you train from a from a sports science perspective? Like, would the sort of nutrition be different? Would sort of because there's also I love talking about the biomechanical aspects, like we did for the resisted sprint training, but with such thing like a a terrain change, I mean, it's it's you're gonna have to sort of change your approach in a way, wouldn't you, or would you keep it the same?
0: I think for baseline test for baseline um training what you would kind of do day in day out i'm not sure if if much would change mm. I'd be interested to look at um kind of the max performance of these individuals like v o two max yeah and i would i would guess that they're pretty similar in fact, road riders may have slightly higher v o two max they yeah. do put in, like, per race, usually a bit more kilometers-wise when it yeah. comes to gravel. I think the mental aspect is going to change a little bit. And I'm not sure how you <coughs> would build that in. Like, how would you build in kind of mental fortitude to be able to deal with changing environments That's on the top of kind of the technicality of a race? Um.
1: It- it would be extremely nice to have some physiological like sort of data that you could gather from them just to compare and see any contrasts or anything that stands out and i think i had the i had sort of the similar idea i said that you know for as an snc coach i would look to train them you know train muscular endurance and strength in the gym to be able to produce force and power output at a constantly high rate during the distances a rider will look to experience which is similar to road cycling in the way The only thing that differed for me was I'd tell them to practice as much as possible on gravel, you know, so like however possibly increment the distances first on the road to make sure that your energy systems are able to withstand the fatiguing elements on the loose surface that is gravel, Mm. then introduce the distance, that same distance to the gravel terrain after. So then looking at performance and then technique acquisition after. if you get where i'm coming from, and
0: maybe absolutely and maybe you would you would have to change you know if you're looking at how many kilometers you're doing per week overall is x yeah how many of those are you training on road and how many are you training on different terrains and and i wonder if then you would split it up of of what is the actual we were talking last week of what's the goal of this training session 100 um, like percent. What's 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 the outcome we're looking for? And if you're looking for maybe more of like an aerobic energy system, uh, um, load, like you're you're going after, you know, a, a aerobic performance or an aerobic increase, then I'm wondering, let's stick to the road because you can get more, you can you can probably put more kilometers behind you on the road. Mm. You can you can put your head down and you can grind it out and try to get those aerobic adaptions that you do need. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you're looking, if you're looking to increase the ability to go over long distances on different terrain, but not really worried about aerobic capacity increasing in that exact, in that exact testing environment or training environment, then maybe, you know, go to gravel to get used to gravel, to get your body used to the, the impacts of gravel yeah. or different terrains, you know, maybe work on um, the technical aspect um, of of the race rather than the physiological demands of it. Yeah, does that make does that make sense?
1: No, it hundred percent makes sense. Yeah, and I think it would be such a, it's such an exciting novel approach because you know it's i don't know if there are SNC S&C coaches helping this there probably are but you know it's something i've never actually considered and i mean thank you dane for such an interesting topic that we got to delve into into in, for this conversation because it allowed me to sort of apply everything i've learned in my masters of strength and conditioning and apply apply it to how i would go through the process of trying to create a program in the sense like trying to create a macrocycle in a way because you got to go through the needs analysis actually find some content on the sport then break it down and what would help massively i think one of us mentioned earlier is the physiological data having that would be amazing so maybe that's something that they could do in the future as well just get some more data um <clears throat> do some testing maybe take i, us haven't,
0: been able to f- I haven't been able to in- <laughs> i haven't been able to find anything but i wonder if there's some sort of force data or um even like modeling that's been done of the forces and the shocks that come through your body um, yeah i mean from a road bike on a road course compared to um a gravel course
1: yeah And, and, and i mean like if they have no data i mean i think you've got a great phd student here who'd love to come out to one of the races to just you know <laughs> i'll bring the camera yeah. obviously to film for the podcast but um film some content yeah. but david would happily test it
0: would be really fun to go to one of these races next year i would I, i'd love to Maybe like next a podcast year on when the, side when or the, by the world the finish tour mark. starts yeah yeah that would be so fun <laughs> dane if yeah drop us an email if you're, if you're going to one of the races how fun would that be that would to be catch amazing. up with dane watch one of the races maybe you know chat with him Maybe we can get in with one of the riders, have an interview with them, see what they think about, you know, road riding. Maybe do they amazing. come from a road riding background or a mountain biking background. Which one yeah. do they like better? There you Maybe go. Maybe they do both.
1: That would be, that, I'll tell you what, that would be a great conversation and a great time. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. So thank you so much, Dane, for the topic. We loved it. Thoroughly loved Absolutely. it. Absolutely
0: yeah and if anyone else has a topic, definitely get in touch because we love learning about new sports and and new and new things and new research. so if Hundreds. you want to hear about something like let us know absolutely one hundred percent moving right along to tip of the week uh totally something different just because you're in espanol oh. I, I feel like I just said that so poorly.
1: Oh no! I mean, you've <laughs> smashed all of the the names, the Belgium names, uh, the the French <laughs> names. You're doing well. You're doing. well. keep going.
0: Uh, you're on holiday right now. Yeah. You like you like hitting the gym, staying staying fit. Yeah. Uh, how do you stay consistent on holiday? That is. Or or how, how do you, you know, be okay with not staying consistent on holiday? Uh, cause maybe you just can't go, yeah. or maybe you say, nah, that's my break time. Like how do you yeah build, build in holidays and stay consistent or, or view holidays as a break? Um, yeah. Like what, what's your kind of so attitude or mindset yeah, going so, into holiday?
1: So initially I think, you know, if, if you've if you're looking for training and you've got like mesocycles to be doing and all of that, and you've planned this holiday for a while, you can actually make it into a sort of a deload week and use this time as a great opportunity to recover and also do slight bits of performance. So the way I'm, I'm sort of carrying on my fitness or, you know, gym and stuff is I think they've got a gym here. So I'm checking that out today, my first day here. So I'm going to be checking out that today, see what equipment is. And I also will use it as an opportunity to do some running, to do some sort of exercises that I haven't done before so i think to help with consistency is at times you're gonna be like Look, i'm on holiday i don't want to go to the gym now i don't want to go to the gym and i get that sort of i get that thing because i'm experiencing the same so in order to get me out and get me doing some f- sort of physical activity to keep consistent i will make it more fun so normally i don't do any running but i might do a f- nice 5k along the beach or i might do a short little short little sprints on the beach you know so i just try and make it fun We'll get, yeah my brother and i will both play you know do some touch rugby or football have a little football match and you'll realize this pretty quickly say if you're doing this on a beach with that loose sand talking about loose yeah. you know sort of terrain different terrains you'll be blowing and puffing all, you'll be dying by the end of it yeah. like a nice 10 minute running around um you'll yeah. be working so much harder so just make it interesting and just you know just you the best have thing fun is, with it to either if you're going to plan it plan a deload week if not then just be consistent by making you know as you said have fun with it
0: i think what you said there really resonates with me and and that's such a such a key is don't is plan like and you know when you're going on holidays usually and yeah. you just don't let it like go into it with a plan whether mm. that's you know deload week or no or you're just going to take a rest or, you know, you're going to change it up and do some other things. And I think not letting it surprise you that your routine's going to change can help so much. Yeah. Because I feel like some sometimes I go on holidays and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm on holidays. What am I going to do? And I haven't even given it a thought. Whereas if you don't let it surprise you. Um, then you can come up with great ways, either like you said, to plan it in, and that mm. just, no matter what you do, then what that looks like you've planned for it so that that was a great little tidbit there, yeah,
1: no nice little one, eh and then once again, yeah. swiftly moving on job of the week i uh, we, we I always moving say on. job of the week, job but the then week, I give more few. than one, yeah. Um so yeah, I thought job I'd go... of the week, here's fifteen. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Um I think I thought I'd go a bit international with this one. So first of all, we're going to Birmingham in the US. University of Alabama, full time SNC coach, they're looking for one. So any of you guys that want maybe a nice little trip to Birmingham in the US, go go drop them an email.
0: So I found that one on Twitter. University using... of Alabama though. That would be incredible. Roll crimson tide. That's that's what they're that's like their oh, like the crazy okay. tide because they're red. <laughs> All right.
1: Would you say that's a nice uh, little scenery they're... change for someone in England?
0: Uh, absolutely, kind of lush green. I mean, yeah, definitely hotter down there than it is. here. Maybe, that's yeah. for sure. Well, taking it back to England and this and the sports like the football, the American football fair. is yeah, that would next be amazing level down there. Yeah amazing experience there's there's i don't know how let me hang on a second i'm just a quick look of their football stadium capacity in terms of um um like american football yeah, Hundred and one thousand yeah, yeah. one thousand people that is crazy
1: that is indeed Insane. very crazy yeah um but then and you know there's a lot of people <laughs> taking it back close to birmingham in the uk now university of warwick C coach they're looking for a new C coach to join their university team i found that on the uk sca website so oh, get okay. applying to that one and then i thought this one would yeah. be amazing haraka i think i'm pronouncing it right in abu dhabi is looking for an snc coach there you go if you want to go for another little experience, this is all over the place. We're going all over the world today.
0: Um, but yeah, no, if you'd yeah. love to just go, just finish and your master's in SNC
1: looking for something different. I mean, it would be amazing, yeah. wouldn't it? There you go. Finish off on a massive, massive, great opportunity
0: um, in Abu Dhabi. Where did you find those for for people so who who I want to find found that? I mean, so the the Uni of Warwick one was UKSCA, along with the where did you find the Abu Dhabi. Two.
1: So the Abu Dhabi one was also on the UKSCA website, um, job website, and the okay. University of Alabama at Bir- in Birmingham um, is on Twitter, SNC job vacancies,
0: Twitter. Yep. yep nice. Yep, yep. So if you're looking for a job in SNC, follow those people um get involved get Think- your twitter up to speed there's so many jobs out there that you can find just need to know where to look
1: oh 100 percent. and and the final thing i'd like to add is once you're already following people give us a follow on instagram there you go you're already following people just absolutely
0: R- rss podcast there you go nice and short nice and simple rss podcast give us a follow give us a like if you're liking the podcast, share it with your friends. We'd love that as well. And we'd love to hear from you. Tell us where you're listening from. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Tell about tell us about what you would want to learn more about. About, 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 about. <laughs> He's from
1: Canada, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, great uh, podcast, David.
0: I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, on the next podcast... We'll talk more about guests. We're going to get more Ooh. guests on the podcast. Well, more as in the first one. That's going to be exciting. Eh? So stay exciting. tuned for that.
1: Should I take us out, David?
0: Until next time, Matt, take a, take us out, please.
1: This has been the RSS Podcast. We're out. <laughs>